You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. I, I basically have a lot of stories for you in honor of resurrection. I'm, I'm still focused on that season. And in honor of spring, they all parallel this main story that I want to give you about the time that Jesus compared himself to a seed. And I hope that they end up making you feel that good things are possible in you and good things are possible from you. I don't know how much you can see that screen. I love I like this bright room, so you don't really need to see it. It'll be alright. But that's the, that's the uh, junior high I went to. And I have this story in, stuck in my head from junior high about the time I wanted to tell Kim the gospel. I was in, I'm eighth grade, and I'm, I'm sitting at this, uh, I think it was kind of like a science desk that the high school had used to use, but they wouldn't let us touch anything that had to do with science. We just sat at the desk while Miss Orr was teaching us, I guess it was science. I, I, didn't, I didn't really listen at all for my entire eighth grade year, so I'm not sure what she was doing. But I had this thought while she was going on, about um, telling Kim the gospel. I, I went to church, and I, they said we were supposed to do things like that, and I really felt moved to do it. Kim was my childhood friend, and I thought, I should be telling Kim the gospel. And I had this one problem that I said, and what is the gospel exactly? <laughs> I could not get this in my head. I knew I was supposed to tell her, but I couldn't tell exactly what it is. I knew it had some kind of content, but my relationship with God was more about a feeling because my content wasn't very well solidified yet, didn't have much content about anything. I thought it was a particular piece of material I was supposed to grasp, which I didn't. And I mostly thought Christianity was probably something I should be performing, which I wasn't. But I still had this motivation, because Jesus uh, felt close to me. I I felt like I had a good good feeling about Christianity. Didn't quite know what to do with it yet. So for a long time, I thought that moment was pretty comical, because I, I said, boy, you were really dumb in eighth grade, weren't you? Which is true. That was true. And uh, it's kind of one of those sitcom memories you have about your youth. But I recently changed my uh, feeling about it a little bit. I mean, while it would have been nice to have some well-ordered content on hand, um, what eventually introduced Kim to Christ was much more about my presence than my principles. I was more, it was more about what we were doing together and how we were together than the data that I had to give her. That realization that my presence was more um, powerful than uh, principle, the principles I was carrying fits in really well to the scripture that I want to center around. Um, I, I found out it was a lot better than the, the, the content-heavy lessons I got in Sunday school or the, the data-driven principles of the world. You know, keeps pushing on me all the time. So you decide if I'm right, if the, if the scripture actually says that or not. Because some people accuse me of just twisting the scripture to say what I wanted to say. Which is true. That's <laughs> happening. So you have to decide how far I'm twisting it. Because I, I think Jesus and me are on the same wavelength with this one. Among those who went to worship at the festival, this is the festival of the, la- the last Passover that Jesus was experiencing. Um, there were some Greeks, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, 
and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Can you see that yellow part? Can you tell it's yellow? Let's read that part again. It's just so, it's so beautiful, it's so wonderfully organic and kind of mysterious. So get in touch with that. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. When these Greeks, these Judaized Greeks, these Greeks who converted to Judaism on the outskirts of the community of Israel, hear about Jesus, and Jesus hears about them wanting to hear about him, he knows his time has come. He knows this, this is the sign of the end. His presence has been reaching out to the fullest extent of the people that were his initial people group he was seeking. So his mission to the whole world is ready to begin. It's reached the edge of where he was planning to get to. I'm not sure if these Greek guys ever got to meet Jesus. It's funny, this is, this is one of those places where uh, you ask Jesus a question and he just says whatever he wants. My children think this stuff about me too. Most people think this about me. They're, what are you even talking about? I, would, I don't even know what we're talking about now. You just started going off on something. But that's uh, something clicked off in Jesus when he heard about these guys and he started to explain to his disciples what was happening. They didn't quite, you know, the connection he was making, they weren't connect, connecting yet. They didn't have any content about this experience yet at all. But what he was telling them, says, no, what, what, God is planting himself in the earth He's about to undergo this transformation that will bear the fruit of eternal life. He's, he's saying, now I am where I came to be. I know this is it. This, this is the moment. The hour have come, has come. I'm, I'm like a grain of wheat that falls into the earth and dies. If you don't think about it, maybe you've got charts like this instead. Same thing. Oh, you like that. But this is what I'm really doing right now. The, um, you know the the you know all, everything about germination, right? Um, <laughs> I, I I assume that everybody listened in eighth grade. That's what we're supposed to know. <laughs> um, I I don't know anything. I, I even put this slide up. I still don't know that much. But the um, like that word, the germ, germination is essentially death to the old seed, right? The seed is its own uh, has its own contours when it's a seed, but. Um, as soon as germination starts, that, that's, a, that's over for the seed. Now, some seeds, of course, are, are um, dormant until spring comes, but they don't germinate. So they, they just literally die. A seed can literally die. You, you know this already because you've had seeds die in you. You have a seed probably dying in you right now, and, you're, and you know it. You know, you're hope some of you are saying, no, it's not dead yet. I'm waiting for spring. Germinate me, Jesus, or whatever it is that you say. And... Um, that, that could change something. But what Jesus is talking about, uh, most seeds, the vast amount of seeds, 
actually do grow and multiply. They, they germinate and something happens. You know, and he, he says, I'm like that. Um, something clicks and they, they transform. The, the seed as it was, uh, its former life is over, and now new life is, is being produced, right? I mean, I, I have felt this dying and rising process in me. Jesus is talking spiritually mostly, but I mean, spiritually, materially, <laughs> creation, eternity, it's all the same to Jesus, right? Um, so when he starts talking about something, it all means everything. But um, I felt that dying and rising process in me in one way or the other in junior high. I was feeling that when I was sitting at that desk. And I've had a lot of experiences lately where I realized, oh, there's a dormant seed in me. There's something that's been been there for a long time that actually now is the time I need to let go of what was and I need to lean into the transformation and somehow I got to that point it's rather mysterious why now and not 15 years ago when I really when I really think it should have happened and now it's happening but I, I'm, I'm experiencing that again that's what Jesus is describing to his disciples the, the example of the seed Jesus is using is about that dormant, those dormant seeds that are waiting for spring, and they're getting activated. The seeds respond to the season of life, and they, they, keep, they keep growing and going. So that's us too. Jesus' followers are also like seeds, planted in the earth. They die. Transformation happens all the time. So Jesus is talking about his time coming, he is the seed that falls into the earth and dies, and the springtime of God's spirit touches him and germinates new life for all of us. And I'm perching like some Greek on the very on the outskirts of the festival where the tree of life that Jesus kept got going has reached clear over to here in Philadelphia. Awesome. So when I was sitting next to Kim, I, I guess it would have been great if I would have had the, the words of Jesus memorized, and I would have engaged her in some colorful discussion of seeds. And she would have been wowed and said, wow, I think I'll become a Christian or something. That's just, you are really spectacular the way you think about things. So I think I'll do it. And had I been doing it, Miss Orr, our also colorful teacher, would have hitched up her skirt. She always wears this big, long skirt. She's always hitching it up. I said, why is that thing falling out? Where are the elves or something? What's going on? <laughs> we, we didn't listen to what she was saying, but we're sure we're interested in that skirt. And those uh, practical shoes that she wore, and she would have dropped over. She, she kind of walked like this. And this often happened. She got down on my face, and, and I remember her coffee breath. And she was said, Mr. White, are you going to talk to this entire class as well? So it's as well? Because I did every day, and she would get all the down. <laughs> I, you know, and I, it, it was just true. I should have shut up. I had several reasons to shut up at that moment. I, for one thing about Kim, I didn't know what I was talking about, so that was a good reason to shut up. I had, no, I had nothing to say, just an inclination. And the other, the other reason, though, was a little more sinister. The powers that be didn't want me to say anything. They did want me to just sit there and shut up and be indoctrinated. I was rebelling against that intuitively. But nevertheless, I was sitting next to Kim, and I was being called and touched by God. Somehow I'd got that seed planted in me. It had penetrated my heart on the outskirts of faith where I lived in, in beautiful California. Uh, I wanted to meet Jesus, and I did. And, and things kept happening. God kept moving. By the time I got to Riverside, 
Right, that's the, one of the best mothers here. I was, I was going to say the best mother here. I thought that might seem unseemly. Right? But that's where I met Gwen, the premier mother of the universe. <laughs> we'll go on to that. But the, uh, I spent my first year of college in that dorm. What was that called? A and I, Aberdeen and Inverness. Everything was Scottish. California is purely Scottish, of course. And um, I, ex I experienced a, a lot of uh, opportunity to stumble into evangelism, plant planting seeds, often while throwing a frisbee on this lawn. Um, what, what, what I now know is I was into the, the earth stage of my faith. I was just getting like a like kind of a weed was growing out of my, my soul or something. I was, I was getting somewhere. Uh, maybe I was moving into wind, as we call it. You know, our, our metaphors for, for spiritual development, you know, we're these, yeah, earth, wind, fire, and water. We talk about these different seasons that kind of keep repeating at the different stages of our life. But, you know, there's these beginnings that move into um, deeper recognition, that move into, act, into action, and then move into a sense of being, like into the Julian of Norwich stage, you know, of what's been shown to you. This earth section of our Way of Jesus site says that the beginning of our spiritual development in Christ is all about growing roots, about sending the seed coming into to its uh, activation. It, it, I like what it says, so I'm just going to read it to you. I don't know if you'll ever go to this site, and that's okay. But it, it, there's a lot on there that, that has, and, and this little piece of poetry could be considered for quite a while. The seed of faith starts small, but it grows into a tree that offers shade and safety to all sorts of creatures in our spiritual ecosystem. From a small beginning, we stretch upward and outward and inward and deeper until we're well-rooted and solid. So being planted has a beginning point, but it also has many more beginnings with each new era, with each new location, really. With every day, we experience newness of life in Christ. We have a lifelong experience being planted in the earth, stretching down roots, producing our own seeds and planting them. This section is for getting in touch with God like a plant in the earth, so imagine sprouts and roots, breezes blowing in the change of season and scattering seeds, sun greening leaves and lightning causing blazes, rain and river nourishing growth. I told my friends about what I was going to speak about last night and I said I was going to say something like that. She said, wow, that sounds new agey. I said, yeah. <laughs> I am in a new age. I don't know what that other stuff is you're, you're thinking about, but yeah, Jesus has started everything new, so yes, I'm going with it. But by the time I got to college, I was experienced that first fruit of the seed Jesus has in me, or Jesus is in me, that had, that had germinated and grown kind of wild. I, I didn't even know what was happening for sure. And I was well into the last part of what Jesus was teaching Andrew and Philip, and the crowd that... Uh, that uh, followed him. Can we get it? Oh, shoot. I, I guess I just had it on the bottom. I guess I did have animation. But, um, those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Those who, whoever served me, 
Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. I was into that freshman in college. But, but even though I, my, my Christianity was kind of growing wild at that point, I still have this thing happening. It just, I mean, and I think it happened to most of us, where I wasn't sure I was doing it right. I was really trying to, I was struggling at that point to get Christianity right. Still, you know, as if I were in eighth grade. I didn't know what I was doing. And one of this, one of the reasons for this, I mean, it sounds kind of blamey to say it, but I, but I am blaming them, so I'm going to say it. I was in the home territory of, of Campus Crusade for Christ. Anybody? Anybody know that crew? That's what they call themselves now? I'm just um, They, they um, had boiled down the message of Jesus, the gospel, into four spiritual laws. You ever seen this? And they thought this was right. And I was influenced by this. I had, this, I had to struggle with this idea that they had they had put on me. I had so many experiences and problems with this booklet that I almost didn't even put it up. I actually found kind of a cartoony version so I wouldn't have to put up the actual version because I could tolerate it better. Um, the thing has truth in it. If you've ever seen this little booklet or if you've ever seen a tract that, that comes and boils down the truth about Jesus into laws or something like that, it has truth in it, um, but it has problems. Here's my problems. I didn't like the law part. I, I, it, it seemed unbiblical to me, um, and, I, and I didn't like the boiled down part because my, you know, my. As soon as I read the little book, I said, "Well, my, my relationship with Christ started way beyond a booklet like this, and has, it's much bigger than a little booklet like this. What do you? Why did you do this? It's much more complicated that for me. It's just more, or, much more organic than this for me. And I, I and I realized later that." What I didn't like the most was that they made following Jesus all a matter of what's in your head and how you make a choice. Follow the law, choose accordingly. So that's not, that doesn't make sense. My faith was much more like a seed that blew into my life as a child. Before I even had a head that was worth talking about. I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. And, it, and, and by the time I was actually thinking about things, it was so rooted in me that I never really got a head-oriented faith. I never really managed that. So what did you do this to people for? That's not how this works. That's what I thought. But I did try to use the booklet because I was so insecure, I didn't think I was knowing what I was, I knew what I was doing. So periodically, I'd like whip this thing out. One time, I decided that my next-door neighbor to me in the dorm needed to hear about Jesus because that's what I do. I tell people about Jesus. I'm a freshman, and I do everything passionately. And... Um, so I went over to his room with my booklet in hand, barely knew him at that point, and this started, uh, as soon as I got into this room, I go, I don't even remember why I'm here, what am I doing, this is so embarrassing, I'm so tongue-tied, I don't know how to do what I just decided to do. <laughs> I didn't know that until I got there to do it. And so I uh, basically handed him the book and said, uh, I'm a Christian, why don't you just read this and see what you think? Uh, I'll talk to you later, maybe. I kind of just ran out of the room. I remember this vividly, so I'm kind of, I'm not telling you exactly all the terrible things that are happening in my head, but I went back over to my dorm room and sat on my bed, and I vividly remember kind of banging my head against the wall, going, boy, that was stupid. Stupid. Oh my gosh, that was going to happen to you. Very embarrassing. The next day, of course, I wouldn't be telling you this story. He comes to me and he says, 
hey, Rod, I, read, I, I prayed that prayer at the end of the book. <laughs> does that mean I'm a Christian? <laughs> I, I, I guess it does. <laughs> I, I, I guess it does. <laughs> and that guy wrote me a Christmas card for 10 years after we graduated. Every year I'd get a Christmas card from him so he could find me. And he would say, thank you for my faith. <laughs> That's how he became a Christian. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, it's astounding, isn't it? You know, and, and he became an elder in his church in some ritzy suburb outside of San Diego. So, taught me a crucial lesson. I realized Jesus didn't need me to be that great. Um, and that was encouraging. Because I'm not that great. I don't even like the, how this speech is going, particularly, but if I, if, you know, it's uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have to be that great. But if I'm present, if I actually follow Jesus as my own limited self, right or wrong, um, that's all right. That's the seed. And like Jesus, I, I don't mind telling you that the hour is come. That's what I show up to do. You know. A couple of weeks ago, my apprentice um, told this uh, tear-filled story about an amazing experience that she had. You know, she got into our cell, she's just been barely holding on to faith. She was about ready to leave uh, town and, and leave Jesus, basically, and she discovered Circle of Hope, and she decided to give it another chance. And she ended up in our cell, but she was experiencing some serious depression. Her faith was essentially dormant at that time. But we were fertile ground in our cell, and we, and we definitely were present. So for over a year, she kept hanging on. And then last month, she was at this conference, and the speaker said something. She didn't remember particularly what it was. <laughs> but, it, but as he was talking, um, that something seemed to you know, click in her. She got set off. Um, it just hit her as she was sitting there that God truly loved her. Not what she did, or how she avoided doing bad things. That was big to her. And at that moment, she really thought, oh my goodness, I, I, I think I've been freed. This is how she told the story. It, she, she said she felt it like a wave over her body. All these years of Christianity she had, and she finally felt free to follow Jesus as she was, and not how she should be. Her hour had come. There it was. Now these these uh, these these four laws imply that if you just follow these laws, new life will come. Did that happen for you? I I follow I follow a lot of rules. It doesn't always bring new life to me, even even when I do things right. And I don't mean to be. Uh, I'm not saying everything about what we can say about that, but but it's, it implies that Jesus isn't organic, spiritual relational, that, that that faith is like a principle of science. And I don't think anything that how, how Jesus was present to Andrew and Philip that day sounds like science, except that we could study resurrection life and the miracles of it and, and experience the same kind of spiritual germination in our own souls. That was like a law. About the same, about the same time I was discovering all that, having all these revealing experiences in college. I went home for a weekend, and I met my old friend, Kim. Kim and I grew up together, so I still, I'm still in contact with Kim. 
in my own charming way, budding evangelist that I was, I asked her as we were talking, so why aren't you a Christian? That was, that was my pat on. That's why I'm going, why aren't you a Christian? I mean, the same kind of sneer. And um, after that encounter, she swore that she would never become a Christian because I was such a blankety blank. She swore it to me. She, she told me that in a, a letter about 20 years later that started out, I really did not want to write this since I know you will be so pleased with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but her son was going through a terrible time, and in the middle of it, the question came back to her, so why aren't I a Christian? She wrote to me and said, so I went down to the nearest church, the church that was nearest to my house, and I ended up a Christian. It was life-changing for her, and she thought I should know. See, where are we now? Philadelphia. When I, when, I first came, when I first got to Philadelphia, when we first moved here, I was sure that the hour had come for Circle of Hope. I was sure God already knew where the dormant seeds were planted, and who would, would respond to the call of springtime we presented to them, and the, 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 seed, the seed possibilities that we were cultivating in our little seed plots that we call cells. I, I, thought, I thought the time had come for that. For me, moving into a church planting situation was certainly following the call of Jesus, like that said, so if you lose your life, you'll find it. Because it's like, it's like pastor suicide to play at a church. It's like, it's like person suicide to even be a pastor. <laughs> but let's not go into that. But the, uh, it's, it's hard, you know, and, you're, and, you, and you mean it. You know, so you're, you're putting all your eggs in that Jesus basket. So I was, I was doing it, ultimate risk. After a few years, I found out that there were Presbyterians in town, probably with four laws in their back pocket or something, because Luke Biden's Presbyterian and a half. He um, was, uh, they didn't think we were Christians at all. You ever heard this, heard this terrible rumor? Some people don't even think you're a Christian because you're in the circle of hope, which might be a cult. I started talking to people that, no, really, circle of hope's connected with the Brethren in Christ, which has been around in 1780. You know, Presbyterians are like newcomers around here. You know, we're, we're, we've, been, we've been around. But they, they did know that. I, I personally can't really stomach, a, you know, head-bound, four laws, principle-based ideology that calls itself Christianity. Can't take it. You embrace people before they believe. It looked like you're soft on sin as a result. We let people doubt. We found ourselves on both sides of all sorts of issues looking for a third way. You know, by the time I got to Philadelphia, I was convinced that the presence of Jesus planted in the earth and risen to lead us is what brings eternal life. It's in the Bible. Uh, not, not following the rules that are dictated by some leader. That's, those, those could be good, but um, Jesus will decide. It's our, it's our presence, not just our words, that plants the seeds of eternity helps them germinate in their own time and transform us into beings we were destined to be all along. Now, Jesus is with us. We're the, we're the presence of safety for the polarized. We invite people into dialogue, not just principle. 
we have a shared life of listening to God and listening for the Spirit in each other. We're the presence of healing for the traumatized, whether it's race, sexuality, gender, politics, violence. We're the presence of community for the marginalized, the young, the poor, the foreign, the shamed, the different, the doubtful, the 99%. We're the presence of opportunity for the slaves of the economy. Circle of Hope is our enterprise. We own it. It's what God makes of it using us. We're making something great. We're employment for people who have been deprived of agency. Ownership for the locked out. A lot more. Yeah. We're, we're, a, we're a shift from just learning about Jesus to following Jesus. From left brain versus right brain to faith as a whole brain, heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, life. So sometimes um, people say we're not Christians. So old, we seem too new. Hard to put us into a sound bite. I, I presented a teaching at, out in Pen the middle of Pennsylvania last a couple weeks ago. And after I finished my presentation, the moderator summed it up by saying, that was unconventional. <laughs> I was embarrassed, as usual. Um, but I was also kind of uh, honored, because Jesus is, is nothing but if, if not unconventional. So his presence changes everything. And it's our presence in Christ that really matters. Recently, uh, Kim's uh, husband died probably why she's been on my mind. Um, this is part of the eulogy she gave him on Facebook. I expected him to live forever, and he did not have my permission to go, but I trust in his cooperation with God and his connection to a better plan. I picture a happy reunion with our son, John, on God's perfect golf course in paradise. <laughs> That being said, this grief almost did me in, and I applaud anyone who has lost their better half and finds a way forward. I love the creative, <laughs> loving universe and our creative, loving God who brought you Jesus and the love of family and friends to show us unconditional love. Love is forever. Joy is the key. I knew her when. And I, knew, I knew me when God was using me to get to that point. I'm not responsible for everything she wrote in the eulogy, of course. But she thought that was, I was the beginning of it. When she met Jesus in me, that's when it kept. That's when it got going. I was willing to be planted as a seed and die, willing to suffer in the process, to be there for the right time, and it mattered, and it mattered forever. Same with my later attempts, all that fumbling around. It mattered. It mattered forever, even if I used the four laws. Even if I just did it wrong. And then later on thought, why in the world would you do something like that? And God, why in the world would you use it? It's a miracle that the seeds exist and respond on cue to spring, isn't it? It's, it's astounding. Uh, same with us. It's amazing that we respond at all, and our shoots go down and up. 
I like to be part of the miracle. So I, I have loved been pondering uh, the earth season since Resurrection Sunday. And, and when I see the rhododendrons going to town, that's what I'm thinking about. And my roses are sending up the new shoots that I like to see every year. Everything is new. You know, I, I'm reminded again, yeah, everything can be new in me too. I'm not too old to be new. I remember that. Some of us could start following Jesus for the first time right now. I don't know. How did that happen with my celebrantos after all that Christianity? It could be happening right now. Some of us are hearing a call of newness that's moving us from where we arrived at this point. And suddenly we realize, oh, my, my time has come. This time has come, and I'm going to enter in. Going to lose my dormant, about to be dead life, as precious as it might seem, and I'm going to receive the eternal life that Jesus brings me and live it. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.